Welcome back to Broken Messenger. In this message, we're going to be looking at the many names and descriptions of Satan, both in Scripture and titles that could be given to him through his actions in Scripture. As we do this, I think we'll naturally see the counter of these names in Jesus. Satan has many names, and those names give us a good indication of his schemes. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2 that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I will continue to say it. The best way to not fall into the hands of Satan is to read Scripture for yourself, to listen to Scripture, to study Scripture. It is in that Scripture that we will know the truth from a lie. However, another way to spot his schemes is by knowing his names. His names give us a clue into how his schemes will work. So we know that Satan and devil are interchangeable, and that outside of that, um, these two names outside of evilness, don't really tell us a lot about their schemes other than that they're evil. So let's dig into some other ones that give us a better indication of his character and his agenda. We'll first look at a couple quick ones that are kind of relevant in all of Satan's schemes. The first one we're going to look at is a two-for-one deal. His first name and description is enemy and like a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. An enemy is someone who wants nothing good for you, and they want you to fail. The success of one party is the demise of the other. Satan will never be for you, he will never be on your team, and he will never encourage you. His goal is to get you to the point of hopelessness, because it is there that one throws in the towel and gives up. They quit on God, and if they quit on God, that automatically makes them on his side, doing his purpose. Next, it says, like a roaring lion. We know that Jesus is the lion of Judah. Satan wants to be like Jesus, but for selfish reasons. He wants the power, the control, the love, the admiration. So he is like a roaring lion, constantly on the prowl for someone to devour. He is looking for the opportunity to devour his enemies. So with these names, we can ask ourselves, is this situation hopeless? Is this situation destroying who I am? Is this situation causing me to quit on God? Because if it is, Satan is likely scheming in that situation. I want to be clear here. I am not saying that every bad situation that we go through is the result of Satan's schemes, but I am saying if the situation has brought you to the point of hopelessness, you can guarantee that Satan is at foot. The next name we're going to look at is given to us in Matthew 4, 1 through 3. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So we see tempter here is the name given to Satan. Um, one side note that I want to point out here is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was not led by Satan, but instead by God. Jesus had to live through the same things that man did and be perfect. Put aside his own desires for God's desires to become the ultimate sacrifice. He had to go through temptation of all kinds in order to have lived like man does. But we see here that he is called a tempter. He is tempting us through the desires of our flesh to be tempted into sin. Another description we get from this, it's not actually written, but it's implied, is that he's an opportunistic person with patience. Satan did not come on day one, five, 10, 20, or even 30. He waited until day 40 when he knew that Jesus would be hungry, would want bread. And the first thing he tempts him with is food to give, to use the gift God has given him for selfish reasons. 
Another term that could be used here is isolator. But we're actually going to look at that name a little later in a different scripture. We know that Satan waits on an opportunity to scheme. He waits on the perfect time to strike. This applies not just to food, but all of our sins that we struggle with. It's in our sin that we give Satan a foothold. And since Satan is patient in his temptations, you can guarantee that he will wait until the most opportune time to apply the temptation of our flesh. This is when we're most likely to give in to that temptation. The next name of Satan we're going to look at is the accuser. In Revelations 12:10 it says, "For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before God day and night, will has been hurled down." It says he accuses, not just anyone, but it says brothers and sisters, meaning believers, because he has no need to accuse non-believers because they are no threat to him. Again, it comes back to enemy. He is trying to destroy his enemy. Also, this scripture also only mentions, mentions accusing to God, but do not be fooled. He is an accuser who has no problem accusing believers to other believers. The best thing Satan can do is to get you to put a question mark over the head of another believer. In doing this, he ensures that every action they do or don't do goes through the filter of that question mark. His ultimate goal in this is to get us to quit. Quit on people, quit on the church, and ultimately quit on God. So Satan accuses believers to God and believers to other believers, but it doesn't stop there. He also accuses God to believers as well. So when we hear in our mind something that puts a question mark over the head of anyone or God, red flags should immediately go up. Satan is the accuser, but fortunately, Jesus is our interceder. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who then is the one who condemns us? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Luckily, we know who God believes, and it's certainly not Satan. The next name we're going to look at is found in John 8.44. It says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he's called a murderer and described as no truth in him. But more than that, he's called the father of lies. We know the story of Adam and Eve that as the serpent, which is another name for Satan, he twisted and lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And though he spoke scripture, which is the truth, to Jesus in the wilderness, he twisted the meaning of the truth to be his purpose. And because he twisted the truth, it became a lie. He is incapable of telling the truth. He is incapable because there is no truth found in him. As a murderer, his goal is to kill and destroy we know that scripture that um, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy him. As a manipulator, his goal is to twist the truth or twist the perception of truth. So when we take our circumstances, thoughts and actions, and we analyze how they line up with scripture, we can tell by the lack of truth to know that foot, Satan is at foot. On the contrary, in Romans 6, 18, it says, it is impossible for God to lie. So when we find ourselves thinking that truth, or rather what we think to be as truth, is contradicting what scripture says, we know that our thinking of what truth is, is wrong. Scripture does not contradict other scripture, and God cannot lie. 
Some other names that I'll list out is Prince of Demons, Prince of Darkness, King of this World, the Day Star, meaning not as bright as Jesus. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This one's pretty cut and dry. If your circumstances have you following the ways of the world, then you are following the ways of Satan. The truly sad part and actually scary part of this is that we are taught from a very early age to fit in, to live like the world lives, to desire the things that the world desires. When we seek those things, the things that the ruler of the kingdom of the air calls good, we know that God calls them bad. And when we seek those things, we can guarantee that Satan is at foot. Whether he tempts us or not, accuses us or not, he is not going to let the opportunity go when we place ourselves in his world desiring his things. The last name we're going to look at, it's not found in scripture verbatim, though we can see it in his actions. And this is one of Satan's schemes that is close to my heart right now, because this is a scheme I was stuck in for the better half of a year. The name I have given him is Isolator. Satan isolates us because it is in that isolation that we become the weakest. It is in that isolation that temptation is strongest, and it is in that isolation that he can devour us. I am so incredibly thankful to be here today doing this podcast, because about a year and a half ago, I fell into this, this, this trap that we're going to look at, and I got stuck. First, though, before I tell you my story, I'd like to back this title up that I've given him with scripture, with truth. I do not want you to just take my word for it. My story isn't a one-off. My story is one of Satan's, in my opinion, most powerful schemes. The story from scripture, I'm sure, is a familiar one to many. But if you're like me, you might have missed some really big truths disguised as unimportant words, meaning they didn't affect the purpose of the story. The story comes to us out of Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 27 and going to verse 31. It says, When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met with a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it seized him, and though he had chained hand, foot, and keep, though he had his, he had chains on his hands and his feet, and kept under guard, he had broken his chains, and he had been driven by the demon to a solitary place. Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus not to order them into the abyss. So, some key words here, if you didn't catch my emphasis that I put on them is the first that he battled for a long time. It said a long time. This man had not, um, not had any clothes on or lived in the house, but he lived in tombs. This wasn't a day struggle or a couple day things. It was for a long time. The other thing I noticed is that it says, though he was chained hand and foot, he had broken his chains. He was able to break the chains, but he wasn't able to escape. And finally, the last thing I noticed was that the demons had driven him into a solitary place, a place where he was alone, where he was isolated. In Mark's version of the, sto- of the story, it says, he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. It says, night and day, he would cry it out and cut himself with stones. 
I wonder if he didn't have any clothes on because he had torn them or because his wounds were so severe that he couldn't bear to have clothes touch him. In both versions, after Jesus cast out the demons into the herd of pigs, there, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind, was the man. It was there in isolation that he tried to battle the demons on his own, and he was beaten down, stripped of all dignity and strength to a point that many demons were able to come into him, a legion of demons. He battled them, but ultimately he was defeated until Jesus came along. Isolation, I firmly believe, is the most dangerous place to be. When we think of a herd of sheep, the one that is by itself, the weakest one, is at most risk of being attacked by a wolf and eaten. For me, in this isolation, I was almost devoured. I love to study scripture, and I'm not ignorant to his schemes. So when a question mark was put above the head of a dear friend, someone I look up to and someone I love, I called it for what it was. I knew his schemes. I knew what was being whispered to me was a lie, and I rebuked Satan. What I know now, but did not know then, was that while this was a very valid scheme of Satan, this time it wasn't his scheme, but it was his distraction. I began to pray against the lie, but everything was still being filtered through that lie, even though I knew it was a lie. I couldn't quite understand it. I knew I needed to get the question and lie out of my head, but I didn't want to hurt that person's feelings, so I kept battling the lie from Satan, praying against it, praying for strength, praying for that person, but it never left me alone. It was always there in my mind. Satan was driving me into a a solitary place of isolation. It was exhausting, and as I sit here without a shadow of a doubt, had my daughter not desired to go to church, I would have quit. I would have quit on the person, despite knowing it was a lie. I would have quit on the church, and I would have quit on myself. And while I can't quite grasp the concept, and and I I can only hope that I wouldn't, I know that if I had quit on all of that, eventually, I would have quit on God too. That that, That place my mind lived in was dark. It was a very dark spot. Eventually, my health began to align with that place. I couldn't understand it. I knew the scheme of Satan. He was the accuser. It was a lie he put over the head of my friend. But Satan used my heart against me and kept me silent and isolated for a very, very, very long time. It was the better half of an entire year that I battled this alone. What I realize now was the scheme of Satan, that the scheme Satan was using wasn't the accuser. He just used that scheme as the means of his true scheme, which was isolation. James chapter 4 says resist, and in some other versions it says rebuke the devil and he will flee. I was rebuking him, though he was not fleeing. Problem was, I was rebuking the wrong scheme. I was doing it alone. I needed to lean on my brothers and sisters. I needed to expose what was in the dark to the light and confess those thoughts to other believers who could pray with me. I needed to lean in instead of withdrawing. I fell right into his trap, and I shuddered to think what could have happened. Now, I'm not ignorant to his scheme. I do not get distracted by the accusations he gives out. I confess them to a friend I know that I can speak to in confidence and understanding. I tell her, hey, I know this is a lie, but I need to expose it. And when I do that, when I lean in, instead of withdrawing, the the accusation has no power anymore. But just like when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he fled until a more opportune time. I know that while I beat Satan's schemes this time, I know he will be back when the opportunity proves more beneficial to him.
So we must be alert. We must be of sober mind so that we do not fall prey to the prowling lion, the father of lies, the accuser, Satan, the murderer, the tempter, the manipulator, the isolator, the opportunist, our enemy, the devil. I hope the breakdown of some of the names of Satan will help you to be aware of his schemes and identify him working not just in your own life, but also in the life of others, and that you feel comfortable enough in that knowledge to reach out and speak truth to them. Stand up and fight for them when they might otherwise be too tired, too weak to fight for themselves. I know at the end, in my struggle, I was to the point of taking all I had just to get through the day. After all, we're not merely fellow Christians. We're not fairly um, fellow church members. We're called brothers and sisters because we are family and family doesn't quit on each other. Thank you for listening to this episode of Broken Messenger.